Rochelle. Hi, Bridget. This episode, we're going to talk about what are the things that are going on in our lives. It's kind of like maybe this might be like, yeah, sort of, kind of. Life, less, life, less. Hi. Hey. <laughs> What's <Yeah>. up? <laughs> What's up, indeed? <laughs> How are you? Uh, I'm good. I'm I'm Bridget. I'm Marcelle. This is Yeah, Sort of, Kind of. Podcast about life lessons and unknowable things. Welcome back. Whether yes. you're listening or watching or both, welcome. I'll be doing that too. <laughs> this is, uh, is going to be a humdinger of an episode, I think. <laughs> Definitely in the unknowable things category. Maybe a little bit of a life lesson as well. Yeah. I mean, if you have ever heard of The Haunting in Connecticut, true story, mm-hmm. or is it? By the end of this, you'll know where we stand. Uh, Or will you? Or will we? Do we know know. where we stand? Um, If you've ever followed any of the Warrens, those uh, that that couple who are like a investigative couple, paranormal, paranormal investigators. Thank you. Although he's he's since passed, Ed Ed Warren. But um, I think she has too, actually. Oh, pra- I, I think, think maybe very recently. That. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. right. Well, yeah, anyway, there's a number of stories that they've investigated that have been mo- changed into movies. Mm-hmm. But the, we're not the talking Ed about the movie. And, no, yeah, yeah. Well, I did watch the movie just the other day, mm-hmm. uh, The Haunting in Connecticut, and it does veer off quite a bit from the actual story of what, the true story, quote unquote, of what happened. Yes. To the Snedekers, it was Carmen and Al Snedeker and their four kids. Right. So this isn't like a movie reveal. This was, we went down the rabbit hole of the true story and the the interviews, all kinds of interviews, all kinds of specials, documentary style to Sally, Jesse, Raphael. We we looked at it all. So we're going to give you a little rundown of kind of what we learned and how we felt about it. Yeah. Okay. So. All right. You want to start us off? All right. Okay. So picture it. What? Okay. Picture it. The Snedekers, Carmen and Al, they have uh, four kids. Their oldest son is 14 and he was diagnosed with cancer with lymphoma. And they said he would die in six months unless they did this radical treatment on him. He, he qualified for some test or something. So they lived in upstate New York, right? And they had to drive eight hours to Connecticut. Right. However many days a week for this treatment for him. It, I think it was a lot. I mean, it yeah. seemed like more than once a week. Yeah, it seemed but, like um, four days a week at least. It was a lot. Yeah. And it was really hard on their oldest son, who we will call Paul, because that's what uh, the one show that we watched about it in particular kept calling I mean, Paul. yeah, one of the shows he was called Paul. Yeah. <laughs> they kept changing the name. We were like, I don't know who they're talking about anymore. There was Matt, there was Steven, there was Paul. Phil, Matt, I don't know. <laughs> no, it, was, it was confusing. So we're just going to call him Paul. So the mom and him, most Paul, were predominantly the ones mm-hmm. making this trip. And she was like, I can't do this anymore. We need to find a place in Connecticut so we can access this hospital easier. Mm-hmm. So they looked and looked and looked. We're having a really hard time finding a place affordable. Mm-hmm. Finally found a, a, a place that seemed like an option uh, mm-hmm. that was big enough to house all of them and everything. And uh the price was actually something they could afford, which was a bit of a shock. So it's mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh, this is the perfect solution. This is exactly mm-hmm. what we need. She grabs the bull by the horns, mm-hmm. makes this happen. Um, and initially, it's just her and her son who mm-hmm. 
visit this place. The first time. The very first day. He explores this place. Mm-hmm. You know, he doesn't feel well at all. So he's slowly walking around the house and he goes down into the basement while she's mopping um, the kitchen floor to kind of get the house cleaned up. So they because uh, they're about to move all of their stuff in and the rest of the Which, family. By the show. way, were you going to tell about the mop? Water? I was going to let you do that. I was going to tell the basement part. OK, well, since you brought up the mop water, because mm-hmm. this was consistent in like all of the interviews is how mm-hmm. when she starts mopping the floor, the water turns into this deep, deep red, thick color nobody blood ever life. actually said blood mm-hmm. well but she they said it was lead that you. color yeah i don't remember anyone ever using the word blood i just remember them basically describing blood but not saying blood mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. i was always like are they saying it was blood like is it blood what is it is it rusty is it blood like what is it um but meanwhile paul meanwhile paul is walking around downstairs and there's this one room that you can't get into. It has like kind of a frosted glass and these kind of French like open sli- or sliding doors that are locked. He can't get in. But he gets this chill as soon as he's down there. And he thinks he hears this voice say his name. Paul. <laughs> I mean, depending so on what it. documentary you're watching. Cause but Paul's a lot scarier than Steve. Steve. <laughs> Wait, wasn't there? Wasn't he also like Kyle? Yeah, something. Like uh, so we're calling him Paul because Paul, Paul works a lot better. Yeah, <laughs> we're calling him Paul. So anyway, so Paul comes upstairs after Carmen is mopping her not blood water, <laughs> right? And, and of course, mystery not water. That. The mystery water. But he's like, Mom. This place is evil. We can't stay here. We have to leave. And and she just thinks, because he's so close to death, that he is imagining things or that he figures out, because she finds out that this place used to be a funeral home. Bum, bum, bum. Dun. We haven't yeah, mentioned so, that yet. That's a oh, very key element to this. Just throwing that in there. So she figures it's just because of that that he must have just known she didn't want to tell the kids she and the husband had talked about it and they felt like well okay nobody actually died here so it you know there shouldn't be anything wrong with this house right it's just okay. end of end of life care was happening it wasn't like you know they yeah, were actually helping people that's, well that's and then you were the the mom believes in a spirit world but she mm-hmm. never thought she, they could interact. She doesn't think, yeah, she doesn't think that the spirit world and the human world can interact. So it's not that she's a devout Catholic. So it's like it wasn't even on her radar that this, yeah. like the the death association with this place would, would have any bearing on, you know, their experiences right. there. Right. She just thinks, you know, Paul's experiencing either hallucinations from the medication he's on, or he's just so close to death that he can kind of pick up what this place used to be. That's, I feel like that's what she another key thing to lay out there, too, is how financially they were, I mean, they, this was, ju- these these treatments were so expensive. Like this mm-hmm. family was really, really just scraping the bottom of the barrel financially. So they were really, really struggling. I they think that's important. I feel like that'll come up, they'll mm-hmm. come it's up a little later. It's very important. I think because yeah. naturally you would say, well, if this place is haunted, why don't you leave? They couldn't. Right. You know, they couldn't afford it. So the mom, you know, she didn't feel like there's any choice. Um, mm-hmm. the the kid hated it immediately. Didn't want to mm-hmm. live there, and 
I think it's about time to bring the rest of the family in. So like they all move mm-hmm. in, right? Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. I know that the Paul right away <laughs> told his brother, there's, there's a, a second oldest brother. I know he mm-hmm. told him right away. He just used to be a funeral home mm-hmm. right away. Mm-hmm. And he also said that bad things happened here. That's how he put it. That's what he said to, we'll call the second oldest son, Bobby. I was just watching the show before this. So just that way, because we talk about these guys a little more and that way you can at least keep kind of follow because there's two other sisters as well. Mm. Something like that. There's two other kids and then there's There's two other kids. I read at one point, three boys and a girl. And then other times I heard two, two girls. So I'm like, what's true and what's not. So four kids and a cousin that eventually moves in, but we'll get to that in a second. So Bobby, Paul is introducing Bobby to the basement and he's like, check this out. And he manages to get into that back room. I never knew and the back room was locked. I didn't know yeah, that was, it was a thing. locked at first. They couldn't get in. Oh. And then somehow Paul's able to get in. Like the But isn't that where the freezer was? Because well, that was a the thing. There's like a freezer. They started to actually store food in the freezer that mm-hmm. used to have bodies in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not a wise choice, I don't think. But um <sighs> but Paul puts Bobby, they still have some of the equipment there and there's um, a gurney and he puts, he has Bobby hop on top of it and just starts spinning him around and spinning him around and spinning him around. And it's really mean. And that's not like Paul to be like that because those two were really, really close. They were only two years apart. And Bobby said he was trying to play cool because this is his oldest brother. He wants to be, you know, tough, but he said it was mean and it freaked him out. And there was something about it that was just so creepy different you know but you know you write that off because you're 12 years old and i think that's important Mm -hmm. because it's starting to track the change that this Mm -hmm. ball went through (laughs) where he starts as like this really sweet kid with Mm -hmm. cancer he's really close to his mom he's really it's a tight-knit family everyone Mm -hmm. gets along he gets Mm -hmm. along with the cousin that we talk about a little bit later Mm -hmm. like everyone's like kind of a big happy family and you know, so far the worst thing that's ever happened to them is cancer. Is is Paul getting cancer? Until now. Until now. And then the little sister actually sees a woman in her bedroom. And she mm-hmm. and she's not a skittish kid. They said she was like really tough and rough and tumble and really brave. She comes running down the stairs to get her mom and tells her, there's a woman in my room. There's a woman in my room. So the mom goes, because she's you know she's actually trembling trembling yeah and so carmen runs upstairs with her daughter and there's no one there and so so naturally mom's mm -hmm. like paul Mm -hmm. why are you scaring your siblings i told Mm -hmm. you not to tell them Mm -hmm. do not put these ideas in their head they're freaking themselves out you guys it's all your imagination stop it like she just wants to put a stop to this bs and meanwhile all the kids are starting to see things. They're seeing people. They're hearing scratches on the wall. Um, both boys, uh, the oldest boys, do live downstairs in the in the bedroom. They share that as a bedroom, and they keep seeing people walk around back and forth in that room at night. It's always at night that it's the worst. And um, Paul would say he felt like uh, people were watching him, mm-hmm. and there would just be this really cold. Um, it would just get really cold. And what they say about that is that ghosts are taking the energy out of you or out of the room you know and that's why it gets so cold whenever 
that sort of thing. Where you feel, yeah, you feel cold. But it's also, yeah, it's a measurable cold. Like if you had a mm-hmm. thermometer, you could find like cold spots. Yeah, it drops. The I temperature think of it drops. Like, I think of it like, you know, if you're going to put a battery in a flashlight, mm-hmm. doesn't even if you don't understand exactly scientifically how that's working, you're like, oh, this light is being lit because it's drawing upon this battery. Mm-hmm. Well, if you think of these creatures, creatures, beings mm-hmm. as even though they're not physical like we are, but if you think of them kind of like, like light, but you know, whatever, they're mm-hmm. drawing from the energy around they're like pulling it in in order Mm -hmm. to i don't know make a presence of some sort Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's really that's a really clunky way of saying it but whatever no i liked it i got it bear with me bear with me top batteries that's okay so so anyway so all the kids are seeing this stuff they're getting freaked out every night it's just getting worse and worse the boys come upstairs from down below they want to sleep on the couch in the living room and the parents are like what are you doing like you need to go downstairs there's nothing here stop this they don't believe it at all and what mm-hmm. does that do to a relationship with your kid mm-hmm. if mm-hmm. you're telling if your kid is truly terrified and they're coming to you and saying look this thing is happening and you're like not only i don't believe you but mm-hmm. stop it you're in trouble because you're scaring your siblings it yeah. breaks my heart a little it does me too. Yeah, because it because this this happens to people. I I mean I think you and I in, in some regard have had moments of that as well. And yeah, it's just like, absolutely. It's really heartbreaking because what is a kid supposed to do? Yeah, who are they supposed to turn to? And then you don't believe them at all. And if all four kids are seeing things, to me that that's telling. But I can see how you would want to justify that. So the kids would just sleep with all the lights on at night. And now, now the dad, keep in mind, Al, he would stay, he would come to, with them in Connecticut on the weekends, but he still had to work in New York during the week. So he was going back and forth. Mm-hmm. So the kids would sleep at night with all the lights on because it made it a little better. It seemed like it kind of kept the things away or they could at least tolerate it more. Then the dad gets the electric bill and it's <laughs> insane, right? It's insane and they just don't have money. Mm-mm. They're, I mean, they're getting all these hospital bills every day, and it's just, it's like stacks of of bills. So they're really struggling financially. So the dad's like, "You have to keep the lights off. You have to keep the lights off." But they're so terrified. So of course they're going to try to keep them on. So yeah, he goes and he takes all the light bulbs except for one, In and they're freaked room. out. They're really yeah. brokenhearted about that. But he takes all the light bulbs, and then later that night, um the the bobby is downstairs with with paul they're both sleeping paul (laughs) and he thinks he sees his little sister come down the stairs and she starts flicking the light switch and just kind of laughing at him and the light actually comes off you know keeps flicking off and on but there's no light bulbs in the Mm. overhead light so he gets all freaked out and he's kind of scared and he and she takes off running back up the steps so he chases after her he runs by and his parents are like what are you doing and he's like, well, didn't you see her? She just ran by. And he's like, I, I think, just put her I to bed. I think they were calling her Connie. Oh, yeah. Were they? Con- Let's call her Connie. Okay, mm-hmm. Connie. Connie's been sleeping. We put her to bed. So she's like, go check for yourself. So he goes in there. And sure enough, Connie's knocked out. Like, <laughs> I mean, she's out. You know, like yeah. she hadn't been running around. So that started to freak out. So finally, Paul confronts what he, he Oh, and he thought he would see this demon. He would see this guy. He called him. The, guy, the man in the suit, he would just be standing at the end of his bed telling him bad things about his family and that he needed to do things to his family or else he was going to hurt him, mm-hmm. else the demon would hurt Paul. 
and he didn't want to do anything, but it just kept getting worse and worse. So finally he confronts. That's where I was going to jump in because to my mind, it's like, what do you, what happens as a kid mm-hmm. when you're coming to your parents and they're, they don't believe you and they're, and you feel like your whole family's under threat. Mm-hmm. He basically, I feel like gathers the cojones mm-hmm. to confront this demon. Mm-hmm. What exactly that entails, I don't know. But he goes into that, um, I guess they were calling it the lab, that secondary the lab. room, the mm-hmm. lab. He goes mm-hmm. into the lab and has some sort of confrontation. Now, this kid was never in any of the interviews that I saw. No. Right? So everyone never talked is speaking about his experience secondhand. So I don't mm-hmm. know what he experienced when he went mm-hmm. in there and confronted him. But I do think it's fascinating Mm-hmm. that he did that he did that confrontation and his cancer did get better his cancer after he, after he did that his cancer got better but he started getting mean and mentally has unpredictable and violent i feel actually. like this is where the cousin comes in right mm-hmm. yeah then the cousin moves in um i don't know what we could call her we could call her leslie leslie so, okay leslie she i don't know where that came from so she she moves in and she was actually really close to paul so his mom was hoping that that would actually help him but he he was telling her everything that he was experiencing how he saw this demon standing at the end of his bed m- telling him all these things and that he had to do these bad things to his family or they were going to hurt him but he didn't want to do it and he was writing this poetry that he said and she's like where did you get this and i guess it was really dark they yeah. never talked about what it was that it said but he said the demon told me it the man in the suit told me it mm-hmm. and so she was worried now think about it she's a teenager so she goes and she didn't want to you know, betray his trust, but she tells her Aunt Carmen because she's worried. She doesn't yeah. know what to do. So they think that Paul is starting to have psychological issues as well. So I, yeah, I get the sense the mom has kind of had that in the back of her mind for a while. Mm-hmm. You know, like what's going on with my son? Is yeah. it, is this because he's having to like grapple with his own possible death? Like mm-hmm. what, what's on top of everything and it what wasn't is going the medicine on? she was hoping the medicine was causing hallucinations and the oncologist was like no this medication doesn't do that yeah. so she really thought he was starting to lose it so he one night though attacks his cousin uh leslie like just attacks her and they have to pull him off and they end up putting him into a mental institution because you everyone's scared of him you can't you don't know what he's going to do. And he's crying and he doesn't know what's happening and they're pulling him away. Yeah, because sometimes he would he would like black out when things Yeah, he would he would, he would do be some mean of this stuff. And, right. And then they would tell him they would confront him about his actions and he would be like, I don't know what you're talking about. He didn't remember it at all. Mm-hmm. Um so they're pulling him away and taking him to this hospital and he's crying and he's like, Why? Why am I going there? And then he says to he his says parents to them. Mm-hmm. Now, now they're I'm going gone, to come after you. Yeah, now they're going to come after you. And they were so disturbed by this. So mm. the parents were at the hospital with him. They drive back to the house, um, devastated. The husband, Al, has to go back to work that night. So he drives all the way back to New York. The mom, Carmen, is sitting there with um, her niece and, and her kids, and she's just trying to calm them all down. And they're all like, okay, let's just go to bed. So she, ta- she goes to take a shower the the niece leslie is in bed and she starts to um feel like something's in the room with her like it keeps messing with her bra strap right 
Mm -hmm. What I remember is Leslie saying to Carmen, it's happening again. Like she had already had an experience Mm -hmm. of being harassed by the, I mean, all the kids were, Mm -hmm. um, but that it's happening again. And so Carmen like basically comes to comfort her to check in Mm -hmm. on her, what, what not. Well, what we forgot, what happened with Carmen though, is that night she goes to take a shower and that curtain, somehow the shower curtain somehow wraps itself around her. Mm-hmm. And she can't get out. It's like a cocoon. And she starts to feel like, like I think, things, I don't know, but it was completely encased around her. And I think Leslie came and got her out of that. But then mm-hmm. Leslie went to bed and they were trying to rationalize what could have happened, you know, and, and Carmen said she thought she was just losing her mind. Because so I remember Carmen making a point in a couple of the interviews about it wanted to get you alone. Yeah. It wanted to get you alone. And yeah, so which, the shower is, I, I think, she mentioned like there were a couple different experiences that happened even with the husband Mm -hmm. I think eventually because Mm -hmm. of the solitude of the bathroom and we've heard about we all the stuff we've um done research on all the different episodes we've even talked about this sort of thing that evil likes to isolate you Mm -hmm. so that way people and it creates confusion people don't under they don't believe you when Mm -hmm. you're isolated like that so so Carmen's had this issue with the shower. She goes, and so Leslie is going to bed, and then that's when that happened, when um, she said something. So Carmen goes in there to try and make her feel better, and then they both see this black mass up in the corner, right, this shadowy thing. Mm-hmm. Car- I mean, Leslie, the niece, sees a man up in the corner, but Carmen just sees this black shadow. Mm-hmm. And then there's... They say it, it happened to them both at the same time. It felt like all these hands were groping them. Mm-hmm. And oh, well, I know that the Carmen saw like basically yeah. what looked like an actual hand, the the outline of it, the knuckles of it, the mm-hmm. fingers of it underneath the shirt of, of Leslie. Of Leslie. And mm-hmm. then, I mean, pretty soon after this rosary that Leslie had always been Actually, I think Carmen had given it to her mm-hmm. as a gift for to protection mm-hmm. to give her peace. Mm-hmm. She'd been wearing it around her neck constantly. It starts like lifting up and then it, it breaks like it's pulled off of her. She still mm-hmm. to this day carries that with her everywhere she goes, by the way, even though it's broken. Yeah. She still keeps that with her. Yeah. So now while that's happening, Al is at work. And he had parked his truck. He goes into the building. He's, I think he's like a foreman on a construction site or something like that. Mm-hmm. And um, that needed somebody there overnight. His truck starts up on its own and drives through the, the front of the building. Mm-hmm. And he can't deny this. So he calls his wife. And all this stuff's happening to them at the house. Mm-hmm. And what had happened, we forgot to say this, after they had taken their son into the mental institution, mm-hmm. Carmen goes downstairs into that basement because her mind's trying to figure this out. And oh, she actually, right, 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 right this is right, what's right, important. Right. I think this is important. She, she said it's really cold down there and she felt like there was an energy and she just kept looking, but she didn't see anything because she wanted to, to believe in her son. Mm-hmm. And she said she challenged, she said, if there's anything in here, show me, show me, show me, leave my kids alone, yeah. show me. What happens after that? Weird 
you know, what is it, shower curtain, the groping, the girls, the truck goes through the thing. They all call each other. All this stuff's going wrong. So he comes back, and they call a priest because they're devout Catholics. Like we said, oh, and crucifixes Oh, he comes would back, meaning Al. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there would be crucifixes would start to be missing. Um, these were the things that they noticed prior to, but they would just, you know, write them off as, oh, I guess something, I don't know, maybe I just imagined it. She would set the table and turn around, and then all the dishes were gone. Uh, kids' toys would be disappearing, and then they would show back up again. Like, let's say, for example, there was a stuffed rabbit that had a carrot, and they couldn't find it. And then all of a sudden, the rabbit would be there, but the carrot was missing. Like, this kind of stuff just kept happening. And then, fast forward to, oh, yeah, well, show me. And, well, it does. So <laughs> that's what, <laughs> so it does. So they call a priest who comes over, and he says, he believes them, but he says, next time it happens, just ignore it. Don't give it power. I mean, <laughs> this isn't just like some ghost, though. Yeah. Like, this is a, this this feels like a truly evil entity. And they're yeah. having these absolutely terrifying experiences. I mean, we haven't even gotten into the sodomy. Like uh, all the all these things that they're claiming are happening mm-hmm. to them that are physical and like the the blankets being pulled off of them and mm-hmm. you know all of this stuff and they're telling the priestess and the priestess comes back with well just ignore it and they're like you don't understand understand you do not understand the level of this so I think someone she worked with told her about the Warrens because she had just seen this this show mm-hmm. or was reading a book or a newspaper article or something. So she, Carmen gets a hold of Ed and Lorraine Warren. What I remember hearing is that mm-hmm. she called them and left like a hysterical voice message. Oh, really? And that Lorraine was like, we need, like got there almost like next day, like got there immediately. Uh huh. Uh-huh. I don't remember. I couldn't find that interview again, but I just, I remember it was like, they made it top priority. And so when they walk in Ed and Lorraine and they have like six different people, I think maybe the first time it was just the Warrens, but, um, they come she, with like a crew, right? To right. in order to help with a bunch of equipment to try and capture. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think this is a classic thing with exorcisms too. It's like yeah. you bring in the church wants kind of like proof mm-hmm. of how bad this is. That so it's, a, it's not a hoax. Right. That um, these people don't have some sort of mental issue. This is how the church. Yeah, I mean, um, they they they're very skeptical. They want to make sure that it's not because also it puts their reputation on the line as well. Or, you know, they, they, you know, that's how, this, how it goes. But she, um, Lorraine, is a clairvoyant and a medium. And they, don't, they didn't tell her where to go or anything like that. She walks into the house and automatically is drawn to go down into the basement. Do you hear that? Clairvoyant yeah. is when you see in your, mm-hmm. like, your mind's eye or you see in real space. In case some, some people don't know what the different clairs are, but clairvoyant. <laughs> Claire, mean. I just think that's so funny. It's yeah. Claire. I actually went to school to Claire. I think that's why I always have a moment of like, Claire. Um, So, (laughs) that's funny. Um, So, she says this place is, it's the house. She's like, there's something truly evil, demonic in this house. So, they get all of their crew. They stay, they end up, the paranormal team stays in this house for six to nine weeks. Living, Living with these people to try and catch things and to try and understand because she said the level of, activity there was something they really hadn't seen i think one of the the first rules they said is nobody is anywhere no solitude right everybody is now going to sleep in the living room 
But the Warrens, Ed and Lorraine, actually slept in the master bedroom. Oh, did they? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, unless I'm confusing that with Amityville Horror, which is possible because that was also a possible. Warren story. Mm-hmm. No, but I'm pretty sure it was this. Maybe maybe this is just what they do is they sleep in the master bedroom. But, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> but <laughs> the family yeah. gathered to sleep in. Because here's the thing. At this point, it didn't matter where they would go. The evil mm-hmm. would follow them. So yeah. it didn't make any sense to try to just escape this house. It's more like this now needs to be dealt with mm-hmm. uh, from a higher authority because yeah. they can't get rid of it themselves and simply leaving is not going to cut it. Exactly. So everyone and the other investigators are sleeping downstairs with the kids and they have all their mattresses and they said that the mattresses at times would look like they were breathing, like it would be almost pulsating like a heartbeat like up and down. Yeah, that's so creepy. Yeah, they said it was so creepy. And then Carmen would go to, she would just black out. Like it, because originally Paul was the weakest member. They said that evil will go for the weakest link. Yeah, because the kid was like super sick. He's being treated for cancer. Like he's probably like kind of on death's door. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Exactly. So then, because she was so distraught and she had challenged it, it started to go after Carmen. Mm -hmm. And... She would black out, wouldn't know where she was. They said one time she was out for eight hours and she felt like she was in some kind of a limbo, right? I can't remember what she said about. They said oh, it was man. terrifying, though. I because do they didn't vaguely really... remember that interview. Um, I don't have a lot on that, actually, but I do vaguely remember that that part. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, almost like we... she felt like she, yeah, like purgatory, but not. yeah. It was something. It was something that I thought was really interesting about. She would talk mm-hmm. about where she was at that point. So there was um, the w- one investigator, John Zaffis, who I just remember his name because he was on the show, a, a lot of the different shows. Actually, he was interviewed quite a bit around this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah, and he was trying to validate that this was a real experience because, as it turns out, a lot of the neighbors in that neighborhood were trying to debunk what these people said was happening and I don't know maybe it's because they didn't like the embarrassment of it they didn't want the attention or you know it's terrifying too to Mm -hmm. uh it it, it's it in order to allow yourself to believe that this is possible you have to accept a lot about the world it's like kind Mm -hmm. of the matrix like leaving the matrix yeah in a sense Mm -hmm. like it's uh I get it you kind of want to keep the rose-colored glasses on and put your head in the sand especially if it's Mm -hmm. not directly affecting you Mm-hmm. The, and it the, wasn't the, the John Zaffis guy said that he had left the group the safety of the group which he said was the biggest mistake he made and he was out in his little makeshift table because he wanted to look at some of the footage that he had gotten and he said all of a sudden the room got really cold and then he felt like something was there and he looked up at the top of the steps and he saw this figure up at the top of the stairs and he heard this voice and it started coming down the steps toward him and he heard this voice say do you know what they did to us and, he said, and this guy oh, was a pro man. he left <laughs> it freaked him out well, so bad do you get the sense that he somehow became suddenly aware of what happened to a bunch of people like maybe he saw images or did you maybe do you so- remember getting a sense of because i feel like he something he experienced something that he didn't talk about Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was a lot of that. A lot of things that people were like, I'm just not. What they, what some people had said had happened, and I think he might have been one of them, is they said that they believed necromancy had happened 
in that place, which is a really uh, dark form of magic with dead bodies. And I'm not sure. And they don't, they're not saying that the people that owned the house previously that had the funeral parlor did it. But something bad happened something that brought in bad some serious seemed to have evil. Happened there. Mm-hmm. So, well, and also, that, so this was, you know, landscape wise, mm-hmm. this is right by um, the hospital and it's mm-hmm. right by a cemetery. I don't yeah. know how old that cemetery is. Exactly. You know, and mm-hmm. how maybe this, how, I don't know how old this house is either, honestly. That'd be, yeah. that'd be interesting it's to know. Colonial. But, yeah, so who knows? I think it was a it house before. have a lot of history. Mm-hmm. Well, look at that haunted house I lived in in Missouri. Mm-hmm. That had a lot of history. And it was a gorgeous, I loved that house. And it starts off slow. And then it just keeps going. It keeps going. It keeps going. In terms the, of like the haunting experience. The experience. Well, there's mm-hmm. another, like, like just to give another example, like food would rot really quickly. Yeah. Like, uh-huh. I, I almost get the sense that they would, like, you take a bite of an apple, you'd set it down, and then you come back to it, and it's it was rotten. rotted. Not just, yeah. not just brown, but mm-hmm. like, disgust, like, unedible. Yeah. Like maggots. Oh. In it. Um, oh. Oh. I didn't yeah, know so they end up with because of the Warrens, they end up getting enough uh, footage to go to the go to the church, and they bring three different priests out, and all three of those people decided they weren't going to do it. They didn't have anything. Now, to do Now, was the this house. all three at once, or like they took their turn? Three different coming, three, three different times, right? Mm-hmm. So, like mm-hmm. this one guy comes, nope, not going to deal with it. Let's not bring in someone else. Mm-hmm. Nope. Yeah, three times this three happened. Times. And then finally they get a set of priests, um, because you have to have two, uh, who come in and they do it. And it took, they exercised the house and it took six to nine hours. I'm not sure how long. And they, they got rid of everything. They mm-hmm. really felt like it was, they said it just felt so peaceful. It felt so light. But um, at this point, they, I'm just the remembering was, something about the exorcism mm-hmm. experience though. While it was happening, Weren't the, weren't the priests like don't react while it was happening oh, yeah. and while like people were getting messed with and like I remember Leslie talking about getting lifted up from her from her throat like mm-hmm. her neck and she was getting lifted mm-hmm. up and she's being like held there and having trouble breathing and like nobody they're like everybody just sit down stay calm don't give in mm-hmm. to the fear and mm-hmm. you know as they did their exorcism their whole thing yeah so okay Oof. so then all is peaceful all is well and the family nothing and then the family decides to move mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. now fast and and i first heard of this story on the show called a haunting and i completely believed it i thought i almost coughed into the mic sorry i um i completely believed it i was like wow this is terrifying now bridget and i are each doing our own research about this topic and we both stumble upon without knowing the other had watched it, uh, the Sally Jesse Raphael show, which is oh, man. Like back in, what, the 90s or something? I think, yeah, because I'm just seeing shoulder pads. Um, and <laughs> She had the bangs. This show, man, and also this host, she had, like, this magical way mm-hmm. of bringing on completely dueling opinions, but making both parties feel very believed and understood. Yeah, I and think then, they like, thought she was on their side. She just was individual. able to be mm-hmm. so neutral. Yeah. And and it's almost like she created an environment where people felt very safe to tell their mm-hmm. story. Mm-hmm. Which is uh, really where it begins. She had, you know, the Sinekers describe. And it was like the, the mom, the dad, the cousin, and then the second to oldest 
boy, Bobby, Bobby, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Leslie, and Carmen, and uh, Al, mm-hmm. and, and the Warrens, and this John Zaffis guy. He was out in the audience. Yeah, John Zaffis, mm-hmm. the, the, mm-hmm. the the crew of the Warrens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That left. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> that, that isolated, and then was like, nope, peace out. <laughs> And then it had some of the the neighbors and they were out in the audience and there were some up on stage mm-hmm. and it just mm-hmm. turned into a shit show. It turned into mm-hmm. um, Jerry Springer, basically. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was really ugly, but it did make me question them at first because of the way they acted. And it, that's yeah, it was wasn't really so much the it. points because, you know, at some point the the um, at first it's just the family on stage. Yeah. But eventually, after you know, she gets the rundown of the story. Eventually, she brings these uh, neighbors onto the stage. At least some of them, and they're bringing their counterpoints, and they're they're ac- accusing them of lying, and it's it's just getting very very heated. And mm-hmm. I think I, to me, the analogy I, I think I made was it's like it's like road rage minus the cars just unfolding in front of you. It was so ugly. Yeah, and then they're saying unbridled. they were saying that they made it all up just so they could get money for their kids you know, to help with their kids' cancer. And somebody in the audience actually said, I think that if you wanted money, you a family could come up with a different reason than other than to say they were sodomized by demons. And so, because that was the thing too. On all the shows I had seen, I never heard them talk about saying that they were sodomized, raped and sodomized by demons. Mm-hmm. And that did give me pause the first time I heard it. And they said it so casually. Yeah. So that's that kind of hard me, to bear like... Yeah, it just made me not it question. It made me question them. I wasn't quite sure that I believed it at first. But, but then, here's here's the thing I had to think about: is all of this happened? I want to say it just seemed like it had happened like a decade before they were on right. the show. I don't know if that's exactly the case, mm-hmm. time wise. But they've ha- they've by this point conducted so many interviews and told the sound bites of this these experiences so many times. On some level, it's probably going to come across as rehearsed. Yeah. But what wasn't rehearsed, what felt super authentic to me was mm-hmm. Leslie yeah. trying to tell the cousin, trying to tell about the experience where she was physically and sexually abused by an unseen figure. Or yeah, let's say unphysical, because I feel like she did see something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I this believe poor that girl, mm-hmm. I mean, it to me seemed so completely authentic. There was something about the way... Uh, you just can't you can't pretend like that i mean mm-hmm. she's not some world-class actress and uh, like you it just felt so real and, and sh- like a shame like she felt mm-hmm. shame true shame exactly and the shame yeah. is what i really picked up on too even um now first you know uh, al with the, the father when he first talked about it he kind of said it kind of matter-of-factly but then there was a moment where you could see he was visibly very shaken and ashamed and and I was like, you know, I think they are telling the truth. And there was, but there were so many um, the, the audience members that were neighbors that were trying to discredit them. You were t- there was this lady with a notebook that was like, because she knew that they were saying that there were, this place was haunted. And so she was like, well, 3.30 in the morning, a truck drove by, you know, and it vibrated the, the house, you know, or, you know, whatever, to try and discredit anything that they would say about an exp- you know, some sort of event happening at their house. And it was, you know, I don't know. I don't really know what I want to say about it, but it was just really ugly. And I was kind of mad to see people be so cruel 
to other human beings like that when they're I didn't, truly. I didn't understand why the neighbors were so angry at them. It, yeah. it felt, it felt really, I, I didn't like seeing it. And I, and Mm-mm. I felt like Carmen was just kind of like, well, I'm, I'm sorry you feel that this is rehearsed. I'm mm-hmm. sorry if you feel like I'm telling you a story. Yeah. This happened. I don't know yeah. what else I can do except tell you that this happened to me. This happened to my family. And, you know, we've decided to talk about it. And well, uh, well, that was the thing was the Warrens wanted them to go public. And that's what made me I, I definitely want to do a show on the Warrens at some point because I find them to be very credible. Mm-hmm. But then I hear some of these other things. And I'm like, well, I just I kind of want to dive into that and see why and what was their justification. But the whole point in even telling you guys all of this is here's these people trying to be honest about this is what happened to me. And then the ridicule that you get for it you know sharing an experience like that that people don't want to believe or maybe they're afraid to believe but what i thought was really um important was that carmen had said what she got from all of this i saw in one of these interviews was that there ev- there really is evil in the world and there mm-hmm. also is true good but you have to make a choice mm-hmm. And that really hit me. And that was part of the reason for wanting to do this because we talk about that. You have to make make a choice. choice. I think at the end of the day, I don't believe these people were just pulling this out of the air, making this up. I think there Mm -hmm. was something that they were really experiencing truly, whether or not any detail over it over the course of time got exaggerated or misinterpreted. Maybe there were times that a big old truck drove past and they thought the house is vibrating. Ah, I don't Mm -hmm. know. But I mm-hmm. think that stuff absolutely did happen and mm-hmm. um, the people aren't just going to go make th- that they didn't just make this up to like sell a book or something. No, and I don't think so either. I think that they really did experience something. I mean, maybe some of it was in their minds. It got to be a little exaggerated in some way. Maybe, you know, I mean, because honestly, when I heard Carmen talking about how she was trying to run down the street. This is on the Sally show. And she said that she was being sodomized as she ran down the street. I had to stop and I mean, I didn't believe it. You know, I mean, I, I'm going to be really honest about that. But that doesn't discredit all the other things. Oh, and also, I do want to say this. People mm-hmm. in the audience were trying to say that um, her oldest son, Paul, was on drugs. So he was hallucinating these things, you know, and that and. But it was like a neighbor argument, boy that actually did drugs with him, I think, right? The, yeah, exactly. Got? But her her argument against that was, but I wasn't doing drugs. My four-year-old wasn't doing drugs. Leslie was, you know, none of the other kids, they were all still having the experience. So that validates for me that I really do think something happened there. And I do think that there was something evil. I, I mean, even if it seems unrealistic i mean we weren't there we can't negate what someone's really experienced i, also I, I think just, it's interesting the people that moved in i, I believe it's the people that moved in after somebody else mm-hmm. who lived in the house was like mm-hmm. we didn't experience any of that yeah. and they're like yeah there was an exorcism <laughs> so it got cleared and <laughs> yeah. then they're like we'll give us the names of the priests and it's like the um, church doesn't make that public yeah so it, it it does kind of get into this. It's not a he said, she said, but it's kind of like almost you get kind of trapped in, in, in a rock between a rock and a hard place mm-hmm. because there is still an element of secrecy with some mm-hmm. of this stuff with as it involves the church. And it's like, mm-hmm. you know, 
can't, it doesn't really help the case. Can't really yeah, prove it. it. I I kind of get the impression the church is just like, well, we'd rather you not talk about it. Yeah, right. Like they weren't really going to help. <laughs> they didn't really want to help with that. Um, with that and, element. You know, I mean, yeah, they exactly. helped. They helped with the yeah. exorcism, but maybe they didn't want to help prove it any further. <laughs> That's yeah. what I mean. They didn't want to. Yeah, they didn't want to get involved. Like, okay, bye. Yeah, exactly. So I think that's uh, that's it. That's pretty yeah. much it. The haunting in Connecticut. One. There's movies out there. There's documentaries mm-hmm. out there. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a book. Yeah, right? that I think wasn't very um, accurate, though. I think that was written by somebody who just wanted to make a scary story. He took some of the facts. So I think it's something about in the darkness or into the dark. Yeah, that probably something doesn't like help that. their uh, cause. That didn't help their cause <laughs> no. either. That's <laughs> there's that's like a, a book full of so, half-truths yeah so research it and get yeah, back to us and we can all talk about it you know or maybe you have something similar that you would want to talk about or if there's another uh if there's another you know haunting story that you want us to yeah. look into let us know yeah we'll, we'll um, do that yeah sort of kind at gmail.com yes so thank you for coming back come back next week wednesday mm-hmm. <laughs> download subscribe all that jazz and uh thanks for coming back and uh, we love you guys bye bye